this week. We're going to talk sports with your U.S. representative for Tennessee's 9th Congressional District, Congressman Steve Cohen. Congressman, Ms. Cohen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning to you. Um, first things first, we were just talking about Wednesday night uh, in Memphis was a big sports night with uh, Memphis football on national television, the Grizzlies uh, season opener on the road in San Antonio, and, and the uh, last broadcast for Memphis legend Tim McCarver. How did you balance all of that, all of that uh, sports watching on Wednesday night? Well, I was in Washington during the day, and I uh, voted and took the uh, flight I could get to Memphis in time for kickoff, and, and went straight from the airport to the uh, uh, Liberty Bowl, went to Tiger Lane, and did some barbecue with uh, Mother Tiger alumni, and uh, then went to the game with my iPad, and with my iPad I kept up with the World Series, um, and watched the Tigers, and they kept up with the Grizz, too. It's pretty impressive. So iPads are great. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, absolutely. All right. Um, all right, uh, Congressman. We 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 know you're a big Memphis football fan, so we're bringing you on to try to talk about some some of those uh, big topics and the the big one that's, that's out there. And I know you've picked a side on this: Paxton Lynch or Jacob Karam? Who should be starting at quarterback right now for the Memphis Tigers? Well, I'm not saying who should be starting. I just I, and Paxton's you know done a pretty nice job, and he's, mm-hmm. he's shown some 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 talent. And I understand the coach wanting to give him experience and, and knowing that his future is uh, going to be with Paxton. But I just think Jake Karam deserves some snaps. Uh, I, I realize that uh, Jacob didn't have the greatest season last year in the first six or seven or eight games, but his last three against uh, really was a lousy competition. But his last three were great. He had like only three interceptions all last year and had a good percentage of completions of 60-plus uh, and threw for a lot of yards. So I think you, you, you benefit from that experience and you use it. And Ole Miss uses Bernetti and Wallace both, and it doesn't hurt them to use Bernetti on occasion. And certainly in the in the red zone, we've had some problems. And, and, and that's where um, the arm of Paxton Lynch, which is, 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 is stronger than Jacobs, is not as effective. Because you don't need to go long when you're in the red zone. You can't go long. If you go long, you're out, you're out of the end zone. And it's no good. So I, I think there's times that Jacob Karam would would be helpful for the team, particularly in the red zone, when you don't have to throw long. You throw short. You might run. You might, you know, just be safe. And I just I just think you deserve a chance to play to have a few snaps. That been he got like six snaps at the end of Arkansas State, handed the ball off. Uh, he came to, to, to the University of Memphis and gave us a quarterback that made this competitive last year at times and uh, I just think he's a good kid and he deserves a few snaps. There's nothing against Paxton Lynch. Uh, he's, he's shown some potential and he, hopefully he's going to be a quarter, good quarterback in the future. You, you've taken the, there's, I guess there's three sides to this. There's the uh, Lynch should play, Karam should play, and you're on the side of both of them should play. And uh, I, I think that's that's not a bad idea. At least just, let's see what, what Karam can do because so many moments uh, this season it looks like uh, the Tigers had a chance and then some freshman mistakes came in. And you're like, well, Karam, you know, he's not going to make freshman mistakes. He didn't at the end of last year. So, uh, I, the impression I get of the two of, of the kids, Paxton seems to be pretty reserved. Whenever I've seen him speaking and I've seen him on the field, I haven't seen any 
real emotion in him. I have been around Jacob Karam on a couple of occasions. He's personable. He's outgoing. He's confident. I saw him going to, a, I forget the event. It might have been a Grizz game, but I don't think so. But sometime this earlier in the fall or the summer, it wouldn't have been a Grizz game. But he was out with, with Al Bond and uh, one of the offensive linemen uh, uh, that we have, and another offensive lineman, I think it was a, it was a JC transfer. That, uh, not maybe Brown, I'm not sure. But the two two linemen, they were out hanging together downtown. I think he's got a good rapport with the players. Mm-hmm. And I've asked a couple of players on the QT, uh, a couple of, of, of receivers. I said, "Who ought to be playing? Who, who's your, what's the story?" And they kind of looked at me sheepishly. And one of them said, "The coach is looking at the future." Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think that's so. I think the players kind of think Karam ought to be playing some. He's got a good rapport with them. He might give them a, a fire, and that fire is what makes the difference between winning and losing in Memphis. It's not going to be the talent because we don't have the talent. We got to just be fired up and 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 and, and have a little extra uh, desire to be able to just get get in that end zone. So I just think you need to use both players, and I think Jacob Karam isn't going to hurt you. And playing for next year. Let having a freshman quarterback take eighty percent of the snaps, seventy percent of the snaps, he's going to be just as good as taking a hundred percent of the snaps next year. And having an extra win, if you would have one or two, and some fans stay in the in the, in the stands and come out with a, it helps with recruiting, and it helps with your season tickets for the next year to have four wins instead of three or whatever. And I, you know, I don't know, you know, who knows what would have happened. But I think we'd have, we'd have won two more games if Jake would have got in at certain places, Middle Tennessee for one, and Central, possibly Central Florida. Um, although the defense died that way. That was the fumbleitis and, 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 and uh, uh, problem. But um, yeah, we, I think we'd have won two. All right, we're, we're talking uh, football here with Congressman Steve Cohen. You are a true blue Tiger fan. What do you think about those black uniforms? Didn't bother me. I am a true blue fan. I've been going to the games. My first game I can remember was 1956 at Crump Stadium with my dad. And I've been going for years and years. And it, it first surprised me, but no, the kids seemed to be fired up. It seemed to get Joe Craig, or I think it was Craig. It might have been number uh, Warford, but it was, one of the two was just absolutely bonkers that game. Craig always is kind of hyper-kinetic and, and, and enthusiastic, but... They seem to have more balance in their step when they came out. I think the kids liked them. I think they got off on them. Um, well, we're one and one in black. <laughs> <laughs> right, I know the undefeated streak. Uh, we went, have a better down. record in black than you do with anything else because I don't have right. any wins in the blue. <laughs> uh, the uh, you were also at Memphis Madness and you you sat uh, courtside at Memphis Madness for for Tiger basketball se- uh, team a, a couple weeks ago and Jimmy Jamison walked right by looked like he was like singing right in your face. Uh, how did you like uh, the Memphis Madness experience this year? No, oh, it was great. I mean, it was, it was really phenomenal. Uh, Jimmy is an old friend, and Jimmy he was singing in my face. He gave me a microphone. I'm happy you could you noticed that you couldn't hear my singing. I guess I, <laughs> I gave him some kind of the eye of the tiger. I was so surprised when he stuck the microphone in there and. And did the eye of the tiger, but Jimmy's a great guy, and that um, was good that he did that. The crowd was phenomenal, and it gives a lot of fans a chance to see the tigers who don't normally see them. Uh, I, I, I went to the game last night. And I talked to, to Hank McDowell about his son. I was didn't I was surprised his son was on the team, and I was real Hank's proud as he can be. And of course, uh, he had a little problem with his first shot, but he's going to be better. And um, he, he told me that uh, uh, he got he got kind of. Influenced to, to, to try out for the team by Laird, and uh, who you know try out hit some threes in the entire season. So I think we're gonna have a real good team. And Josh, uh, 
Josh is a great leader, and uh, it was a great evening, and then all, all was good. So technically, you should have been given credit as the co-performer. I, no, I don't think I deserved anything. I'd be happy <laughs> that nobody recognized my voice. So. <laughs> All right, Congressman Cohen is joining us. Uh, let's switch gears for a second. A couple other local topics uh, outside of sports uh, real fast. Uh, unfortunate news uh, with Delta Airlines, and I know you've been uh, working hard in Washington, and you're upset about uh, how Delta represented themselves with this merger and all this, saying they were going to keep Memphis in business, but now it looks like they've kind of gone back on that. Well, yeah, it's just, uh, the president of the airlines lied to us in, in committee, and I specifically asked him about what's it going to do to Memphis, and he went on and extolled the virtues and the love of Memphis and the rendezvous and, you know, you name it. And uh, he'd been with Northwest, and he said he would never hurt the Memphis hub. It was a great hub and a great relationship and great prices and great uh, uh, weather and all these kind of things. And he just lied, and he also said we'd probably get a flight to, to definitely want to lose Amsterdam and probably get Paris. Now they, they rationalize, they go, oh, the, the oil um, prices changed and, and, and conditions changed. Um, horse manure, the guy just flat out lied. But corporate America uh, can do that and say things and, 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 and get away with it, and they do. And um, no, I shouldn't say corporate America because I guess, you know, we got one of the greatest leaders, corporate leaders in the world, and Fred Smith here. Uh, and and, uh, and he's a straight shooter. And there are a lot of guys that aren't. And then Farachi out of that, he's a great guy and a straight shooter. But the the, the, the guy at Delta Airlines didn't. So they lied, and there's not much we can do. We're going to be fortunate. Monday, we're going to be greeting Southwest Airlines and welcoming them to Memphis. I'm going to be out there, and whenever I get a chance, I write a letter or make a comment to Southwest or Frontier or JetBlue and encourage them to come to Memphis and take every chance I can. A lot of it's going to be market conditions, and, and we don't have the... Uh, people coming going out of Memphis, they say, to make it worthwhile, and they all want to make a dollar, and so that's what it's about. So the attractiveness of our airport with the weather, with the, the, the uh, uh, um, rates that we give them because of the subsidization of the airport somewhat by FedEx and, 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 and by other uh, methods of revenue enhancement are not attractive enough to bring bring flights to, to, to Memphis at the present time. We're just hoping... And I've written to United U.S. Air American and encouraged them and asked them to do something nice in Memphis for guarantee they won't reduce their flights and bring something else in. It's hard to get them to do it. And, and uh, I guess it's a good thing in a way that congressman, it's a good thing that a congressman can't influence them because if, you, if they did something for you, they'd expect you to do something for them. And maybe right. that's old-time politics, but that's also trading your vote on something. And sometimes it can be done for your personal advantage, and you can't do that anymore. And, and, and that that's the kind of stuff gets you if you if you try to leverage something that used to be done, it, it, it's considered unethical and and, and uh, you don't do it. So there's good things and bad things to that kind of stuff. All right, uh, Representative uh, Steve Cohen uh, joining us uh, right now. We've got uh, uh, we put some out there. So you know, let our listeners uh, we give some feedback and want to know what they w- want to ask you. And we know this is a, a, a topic that you seem to be getting behind, and it's also something that the, our own producer Johnny Radio is is very much behind. That fifty eight percent of Americans are in favor of legalizing marijuana for recreational use. And it's no legal in two states. How uh, close are we the, to uh, getting it legal in all 50 states? And I know that that's something that you, you're you trying to uh, make happen, right? Well, I, I just think it's crazy that we arrest people for possession of marijuana. Uh, and I think it's interesting we call it the recreational use of marijuana. We don't call it the recreational use of, of beer. Right. Um, but it's just a different perspective. 
there's medical use, there's recreational use, I guess, and then there's the illegal or forbidden use. Um, the uh, idea that we should spend our monies with our police and our law enforcement and our corrections, putting people in jail, even for any time at all, for smoking marijuana, which has been shown to be uh, uh, very, very limited in, in, in any uh, bad effects on people, is just absurd. It's a waste of resources. It's a take. It's a deprivation of liberty, and it ruins people's lives through the years. Because if they get a conviction, it can stop them from getting public education, college scholarships, public housing, uh, jobs later on, and all those things. So it just, just, it's crazy. They didn't play over there. They bought the movie Reefer Madness at Circuit recently, and that was the insanity of the '30s, and that's when all this stuff started. So yeah, I think I'd like to see a decriminalization. I'd like to see legalization and taxation. Where we made money off rather than, than spend money, and people didn't go to jail and, and have a, a scarlet uh, letter on their chest forever, the big, the big M, uh, and not standing for Marilyn Monroe or Mickey Mantle, unfortunately. And uh, and then and then this makes sense, and I think it should come as we've come a long way in the last few years with Colorado and Washington legalizing marijuana, and uh, more states that DC is about to legalize it, but to give the chance. For crazies in Congress to come up with some bill and say, oh, we can't do that, and we're going to put our, our wisdom over D.C. and say it's not going to be legalized. Uh, you know, it, it, Congress, some of those Congress people need to smoke some because maybe they, they sit, settle down and realize uh, <laughs> you know, the, the world's a little different than, than, they, than they see it. Would it help you all uh, get along a little better? <laughs> well, it would make us get along better for sure, and, and, <laughs> uh, uh, and, and, and maybe they see some things in a different perspective. Uh, but no, it's just crazy, and people are catching on to this. And uh, as, as the generations get older, the younger people aren't—they're not—they're not moved by these social issues. They accept interracial dating. They—they they are generally in favor. They don't have a problem with people, women's choice. They accept people's, you know, personal standards for, for recreational drugs. Although, you know, meth is bad, and meth should be illegal, and crack and cocaine should be illegal, and. Maybe they shouldn't be dealt with the way they are, but they should be illegal. They harm people. They cause people to steal. They ruin people's lives, and they get people where they can be addicted and go out and kill somebody or, or hold up somebody to get money to buy their drug that they use, and they destroy lives and families. Marijuana doesn't do that. You know, we used to have, there was a Harlow's Donut Shop on Union near Belvedere, and uh, it's out of business. If, if marijuana was legal and, and Carlos would still be in business on Union. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, uh, Congressman, we know, we know you're busy. One last question. What do you think will happen first, uh, the legalization of, of marijuana in the state of Tennessee or the Memphis football team uh, winning a conference championship? Tigers winning the conference championship. <laughs> <laughs> so that far the, the, off, the Tennessee, huh? le- the Tennessee legislature <laughs> is so right-wing, and so I, it's just sad. I, there, there was a the Senator Kelsey who's Came to the to the to the program yesterday with Secretary Sebelius, and I was pulled a little stunt and gave her some book, Internet for Dummies. Kathleen Sebelius is a very very bright woman, a dedicated woman, member of the cabinet. Comes to our town. That's not a place for somebody to come and, and try to pull some stunt. That Kelsey's a lawyer. He's a Georgetown law graduate. I think he's a Duke or North Carolina graduate. He's he, 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 the, 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 that thing, he, you know, he's got all the benefits, and you know, and they come and say we're not going to accept Medicaid in this state. 
I'm not accepting Medicaid in the state. We give up $1.4 billion a year free for three years. And after that, the, the money we get, even if we pay 10%, the money we get in and the flow is good for our economy. John Kachich in Ohio, even Jan Brewer in Arizona, and the guy in Florida who's a Republican all took Medicaid because they realized economically it was stupid and morally it was wrong to let people who were between 100 and 133 percent of poverty not get health care when they can get it and get it paid for by the federal government. That's legislation. If they had legislation for dummies, the book, Kelsey would be the poster child. It would be bold out. And he's going to be one of the guys to determine whether marijuana is ever legalized or not. And he's supposed to be probably a libertarian. And let me tell you, he's not, they're not, not going to happen. It's bad. Is he, here, uh, one final question, because uh, we're big proponents of this, and this is a frustrating topic for us on, on this show, and it's Indie Memphis Film Festival is going on this weekend uh, in the city of Memphis. There's a lot of talented filmmakers uh, here in Memphis, and the state funding is all messed up. I know you used to be in, in the Senate in the state. You don't have any any decisions on this, but you're watching and, and able to communicate with these people. Why does Nashville uh, get such a, a big bulk of this money, or is there a way Memphis can figure out a way? I'm not sure how familiar you are with it, but Ni- uh, Nashville gave themselves like $19 million of the uh, film funding, and this side of the state got like two and a half, uh, like a million, and the other side got like two and a half. Like it, the 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 difference is is immense between oh, uh, how crazy. much Nashville I saw, gets. I saw, I saw Lynn Sittler yesterday, and she's mm-hmm. a great um, friend and a great head of the film take commission here, music commission. Yeah, Nashville's, the, Nashville's got it's the seat of government, and there are lots of people in Nashville who socialize and interact on a regular basis with the, 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 the movers and shakers, the governor and the legislators and everybody. When I was a state senator, I looked out for Memphis, but I was a Memphian and a Nashvilleian at that time. I knew people in Nashville. I knew the institutions. I knew everything going on, and that's just natural that when you go to Nashville, you see that. And if you're from one of these small towns that doesn't have anything going itself, you, there's no there's no question when it comes to something like that. Your allegiance would go to Nashville. If you're from Memphis, you split. Our delegation is so weak. We have the I think it's it's, it's the saddest. We, Mark Norris has got strength and he's strong. And mm-hmm. there's, there's a couple of ladies in the house that that they're, they're just good people. But there's, there's it's just it's sad. We representation is going to get worse. So, 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 so it's the a bad solution. situation. And, and they, I'm going to go to Indy, Memphis. There's several good films to see, and it's a, a great thing to come to Memphis. But, yeah, we we needed some help and some films here and some other things, and Nashville gets it all, and they always have. Oh, yeah, and it's frustrating with the opportunities of Craig Brewer's Footloose could have filmed here, The Blind Side could have filmed here, the show Memphis Beat could have filmed here, but once something went to Nashville, uh, the show Nashville, then they gave them $19 million, and and, uh, it it just seems unfair. So it's really – but you do think that our our state senators uh, that represent uh, our – uh, Memphis area, they are the ones who can try to help fix this? Well, they could. They can try, and, and they could have an influence, but the main thing is the governor. And and the governor mm-hmm. is, uh, he, he's, he appoints the head of the, the, the commission, uh, and, and he's the one that can make the difference, and, and he certainly took care of Nashville, so it, it right. hurt us a lot. I mean, Kevin, were you, yeah. were you uh, the Rudy Cerritos? Uh, yes, uh-huh. Was a, so I'm okay. looking at this picture on, on, on Twitter. What a great thing we have with technology. My dad, a former Olympic coach and, and here at the Memphis Zoo in 1954. I, did, I was a friend of your dad's, and I love the, the, the restaurant. And uh, but I didn't hear that. He's right there in the center. There he is. Yeah, yeah, down well, in the center. yeah cousin. He's uh, cousin. My, yeah, but okay. yeah, the, but uh, yeah, uh, Giovanni's? Yes. Yeah, well, Giovanni's was a great restaurant. I remember 
Jack Sammons used to eat there a lot and love it. I loved it, and we used to go there and great pizza and great food and you know whatever. Uh, but, yeah, uh, we're we're waiting yeah. for your next big tweet too. By the way. Yeah, well, we lo- the tweet, we, tweet can be fun. We love reading about your tweets on the Huffington Post and uh, and seeing them on well, TV. Some, sometimes you know they sometimes they don't get them, and and it's amazing yeah. the trouble you get into with tweeting. You know, the reporter that came up to me that day when they were you know the whole thing you know went on in my personal life was very difficult to me. It still is. But the you know, there's every reason in the world for me to have believed that that uh, Victoria was my daughter, and I love the fact that I had a daughter, and I loved her, and. And, and, and the fact is, the mother had told me when she was pregnant that she was my daughter. I ran into her in Houston, in a, in a, in a hotel in Houston, just weird as heck. I was in a law case, and she was in the hotel because her uh, her home had been burglarized. The insurance company put her up in the same hotel I was staying in. It's like out of a novel. It's like crazy. But but she told me, and I just didn't believe it. Some other stuff. Anyway, bottom line is, I had every reason to believe it, and it still affects me because I, I had a family for a long for a while. And so this girl came up to me, and I said to her, "Hey, you're quite you're, you're attractive, but I don't want to talk to you right now." Um, they, they made a big deal like I was a sexist. And he's just being nice to somebody that you don't want to talk to, you know. So he tweeted. She tweeted it immediately. I told her that, and then she tweeted it, and then all these reporters uh, went absolute bonkers. Like I, was, I, I don't get it. I, you know, somebody you're gonna say something to somebody that you, that you don't want to talk to them. Say something nice and kind of temper it. I was just being nice, and, the, and so sometimes they tweet it, and then it becomes out in the Twitterverse, and, and then the stuff doesn't go back. And so many reporters jump on the first thing, and they want to be celebrities themselves. And it's kind of like, I guess it was a uh, Hunter Thompson uh, idea that you're part of the story, and, and that's Twitter gives the reporter that opportunity, and they take things out of context. And some of the things I've seen, you know, it's, it's been, it has been hurtful because people still tweet about things with. Victoria, and that was a very, very deep, deep hurt to me to lose her. And I still, we're still friends, and I see her, call her, and talk to her, give her something, and communicate. It's not the same thing, not being blood, you know, blood. Right. That, that, so. that was an in- interesting story, and, uh, you know, we were thinking about you when that was all going down. But you follow uh, follow uh, Mr. Cohen on Twitter, at Rep Cohen. That's uh, at Rep Cohen on Twitter. Uh, Congressman, we appreciate you joining us and talking to us about a, a array of topics uh, this morning. All right, I'll see you in the square, I guess. All right, I'll see you. All right, thank Thanks. you. All right, it's Congressman Cohen going out to Indy Memphis a little bit later on.